um, we're gonna we're gonna very much do a um, House of Snacks style. First ten minutes of the show is just us bullshitting, but uh, maybe uh, make normal. it like the, maybe make it like the first twenty minutes, so we really only have to fill like twenty minutes of talking about the movie, and then yeah. twenty minutes of reading the summaries and reviews and such. Yeah, I I. <laughs> You know, act I, one, I act two, act three. I only have, like, six reviews or something. That's fine. We could go fine. in depth. Yeah, yeah, well, one of them is is we're gonna have to do some math and shit, so... Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm into doing math. Um, that's the whole reason I got hired for this job. Um, so, for the sake of the listeners who want to enjoy the celebration that I am currently still celebrating, um, I got a new job, which means I won't be fun employed, mm. which, you know, means I did spend almost an entire two years promising I was going to relaunch the Patreon and then never relaunching the Patreon. I mean, that will happen. I think somewhere along the way I decided that, like... I'm happy just putting these out because we love putting it out. Yeah. I would not be happy not doing something silly like this, you know? Yeah, and no, this, this adds to my life. Exactly. It adds to, adds to our lives. It adds to our listeners' lives. It maybe sometimes detracts from Emma's life, but, like, in a <laughs> funny way. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Emma. It's okay. The um, it's still net a net positive Hislip family gain because I'm gaining something. Emma might be losing something, but Emma's dad is gaining something. Oh, there you go. So on a net positive for the family, and I think Emma would agree that's a good thing. Making it a net positive for them as well. Good, good. I'm glad the Convoluted. math works out. We're already doing math. It's perfect. It's, it, today, today's the math episode. <laughs> Which, um, you know, I could lie and say that I listened to Math Rock as the soundtrack, (laughs) but that would be a lie. I didn't, but we can pretend I did. I actually literally just watched stuff on YouTube. I really think there needs to be a subgenre of Math Rock called Common Core. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, there's... Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right? It's, hmm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for putting that into your brain. That's okay. Uh, my distraction level today is off the fucking charts. So I okay. apologize if I just sort of start saying, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. I'm going to try to minimize my distraction by um, having audition on one screen and Discord taking up the entirety of the other screen. All right. Um, do you um, do you want the quote of the day? Oh yeah, we got a time dot maybe. Today's quote of the day is: "You have to evolve. Stagnation breeds boredom." That's a quote from Matt Bellamy, the lead yes. singer and guitar yeah. player in the band Muse. Have you heard, have you heard that before? No, but I did have a really, really, really like significant Muse phase when I was in high school. Oh, fair. And, um, so I just know more than the average schmuck might about that band. Um, or at least that band 13 years ago. <laughs> you know. The, um... It's fine. They've been frozen in time since then anyway. With their whole knockoff Radiohead shtick. But, like, ra- knockoff Radiohead, if you took all of the sincerity out of Radiohead and turned it into sort of, like, cynical gimmick grabbing. So it's podcast head. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's like a very um, painful existential truth that I have to contend with now. I'm sorry. Because, you know, I, here I am thinking that <laughs> we're living in a post-ironic world where the death of irony has come for us all and left us as shells trying to find some measure of sincerity and it turns out irony was alive all along and she was waiting (laughs) somewhere inside of us for that little to be that little voice that tells you hey you're shabaka podcast (laughs) and then you listen to her and you end up watching the fucking wild thornberry's rugrats crossover movie (laughs) this is your fault I I can only blame myself and that little voice of irony who says, wouldn't it be funny if you watched another bad movie? <laughs> and I have to, like, I, I, am, I now have to talk to that part of my brain and say, hey, no, this isn't that funny. Like, our best episodes are where we watch a movie that we can actually talk about. Yeah. And this is not one of those <sighs> movies, other than the fact that Spike the Dog was voiced by Bruce Willis in this movie. What? That's like the one interesting thing about this movie. What the fuck? I That's know. That's insane. Why I would they... know. That's a hell of a casting choice. Well, like, you have to remember that in this movie, you have Eliza Thornberry, who was cursed to be able to talk to animals, right? Okay, I literally, my only (laughs) exposure to wild thornberries I have ever had is the one video with uh, Iggy Azalea doing her bullshit, and then it transitions into the kid doing the same thing. Do I need to find this for you? I would appreciate it. Okay. Because, um, I don't know the thing that you're talking about. I oh have, my God. however, seen some people do, like, drag routines dressed as Nigel Thornberry. Okay, that's, that's pretty interesting. Okay, I'm just gonna send you this real fast. Uh-huh. Enjoy that. And you know what? While I'm watching this, uh, let's set up our time for when we clap. Okay, yeah. So when it hits, um, 30 seconds. Okay. Okay, that was a very good video. <laughs> so, um, the, it's, it's he is alien doing her rap thing, and she's trying to spit as fast as humanly possible. And then it cuts to Donnie from the Wild Thornberries making his Donnie Wild Thornberries noises. Yeah. Um, now, here's a fun fact. Donnie from the Wild Thornberries is, was, and has always been voiced by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That oh, band no, that that's sucks. That's interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I actually okay. So my my truthful opinion on the Red Hot Chili Peppers is that they're not they're they're not a bad band, but they're one of those overexposed. So like. If you if you measure a band if you measure music and bands and performers on a scale of rot rock and rule right so you can either rot rock or rule okay I've never the heard Red of this, Hot but Chili I'm, Peppers I'm on it the Red Hot Chili Peppers rock but they also rot mm. does that make sense absolutely not because <laughs> <laughs> it's like like 
not you know the the common criticism is that some too many of their songs are about california right okay yeah that's that's true that's a valid criticism of them for sure um and that kind of rots but then they also did that really cool cover of Stevie Wonder's Higher Ground for the Power Rangers movie. And that rocks. That almost brings them up to rule. Okay. If they did more of that, I'd be down for it. Well, I'll call them up and let them know. <laughs> um, now, we should also point out, uh, this is from July 13th, 2019. There's a tweet from Flea. And now when when I say that, your first instinct is, oh God, oh no, oh fuck, right? Yeah, um, people shouldn't tweet. <laughs> yeah, but like, especially when you hear, here's a tweet from a famous person from oh. a number of years ago. Yeah, that is true. It is a terrifying prospect. Uh-huh. This tweet, however, says, I love gay people. Dear God, Please make more gay people. Heart emoji, heart emoji, heart emoji. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Flea That's literally pl- literally praying for more gay people. I have seen that tweet and I did not know that was him somehow. It's Donnie Thornberry himself, the bassist from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> Flea at Flea333. Hell yeah. Flea. Uh, and like... From what I'm given to understand, that's a, a band of pretty decent guys, but, like, I don't know, man. You don't typically expect that from a, a famous person. Yeah, Unless I think it's, that's... like, Kesha. Or it's someone who is themselves an out queer person. Yeah. Like, uh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> So, we watched Rugrats Go Wild. We did watch Rugrats Grow Wild, uh, as promised, last episode, um, and... Now, uh, you are, as, as the, um, as the meme goes, a 90s kid. Yeah, I would say. So then, you definitely were of the age where Rugrats was a thing, yeah? Yes. I remember, I have seen Rugrats before... I don't remember liking it. I'm pretty sure I did not like Rugrats when I was that younger. That is fair. Because um, it's just sort of horrifying. It very much falls weird. into that 90s aesthetic of, like, grotesque cartoons. Yeah. Uh, apparently the the person who made uh, Aeon Flux made it as a response because he hated doing the animation style for Rugrats. And wild thornberries and shit. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because it is a very... Oh, yeah, look at that. Peter Chung, in addition to Aeon Flux, has directing credits in the Animatrix, go figure. Chronicles of Reddick, Dark Fury, go figure. Um, And then also created and co-designed the characters in Rugrats and directed the pilot. (laughs) And the opening sequence. So the guy who made Aeon Flux is the reason that Rugrats opening sequence goes so fucking hard. Because <laughs> it's a really well-directed opening sequence. I, I don't know if you've, like, you, you almost assuredly have not had occasion to watch it recently. No, absolutely not. Um, it's it's good. Like, there's that's, a reason... That's, that's good. There's a reason it's still, like, memorable to people. Um, 
Now, Rugrats also, to me, falls into the same bracket of 90s animation, where it gets worse when the animation improves, Mm. as The Simpsons. Interesting. Yeah. SpongeBob also has that exact same phenomena, right? When they improve the animation, they move to, like, digital processes. It cleans up the lines, and it takes away the character that the characters have by being hand-drawn. Yeah, that's true. True. But then, the like, is, also, I didn't like the character that. they had to start with. So That's like, fair. It's but, like, like you bad could... to worse. Yeah. And then it's also a sign that the show has stuck around for too long because now it's got too big of a budget. Yeah. And I don't think it should ever have a budget. In... <laughs> I think that's what we've learned from uh, entertainment and capitalism in general. I mean, we certainly don't, and we make a quality product. Exactly. Would what how would unsound theories get worse if we had a lot of money to play with? Um we might Like let's say we have ten thousand dollars per episode. Oh shit, Jesus Christ. Um we'd probably uh watch more current movies. Um I don't know if that would be worse. Um way more dumb bullshit bits for sure. Yeah, we we would pay for the dumb, we'd be able to pay for dumb bullshit. Yeah. Um but I think like the biggest thing I could think is that we would start getting like higher profile guests. Oh. We would inflict this on people. Yeah, I, I'm not talking like, you know, your Adel Rafais or even your Scott Ackermans. I'm talking like, you know, paying the speaking fees for an hour of um uh, I don't know, Neil Gaiman's time. <laughs> we... <laughs> Alright, next episode we're having James A. Caster. I feel like we could get James A. Caster. I feel like you could get most comedians, because most comedians do the things that we... would do what they are doing regardless of whether they were getting paid. That's fair. I, I want, like, a celebrity level above comedian. Um, we could get... Oh, this episode we're having, uh, former president of the United States, Barack Obama. That was exactly who I was thinking about. (laughs) But I also did briefly think about Bill Clinton. I'd rather not, personally. Uh, Yeah, no, but I feel like, you know, he might have... It's, it's the, it's the, like booking a former president or something like that like yeah when you get to that level you've sort of your budget has gone too high yeah when you can make bruce willis a dog your budget has gone too high <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah you know that's too much biotech research yeah like if if we're talking about like you know, paying someone. So, like, there's also the fact that we could be paying people to, like, you know, do the levels or do the editing and, like, do production stuff. And, like, you know, that would go into the budget. Having, like, Um, a studio. Yeah, like, studio rent. If we were spending $10,000 per episode, we could afford for both of us to fly to a neutral location and record it together in person. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Coming to you live from a studio in Wood Buffalo, Canada. <laughs> Coming to you live from Fort McMurray. It's Unsound Theory. We, at $10,000 an episode, we could get on the CBC. Oh, I mean, well, huh. 
And then, in theory, at that point... What if this was an NPR podcast? Um, (laughs) I think we'd have to very dramatically change the way that we specifically talk and and make jokes and Um, and do the podcast and think and... (laughs) Well, so, like, I, I think we would... Um, I, I think we'd still keep the sex jokes, but we would just have to start using our default NPR voice. So the oh, yes, podcast would sound a bit more like this, and uh, with a little bit more crispness to the way that we enunciate our words. And that sort of vague NPR, bright sort of uh, studio hum. Oh yeah, gotta have it. You've and you, It's just an essential part of the NPR experience, you know? Yeah, I think people would so, be really upset if we didn't do that. In that case, let's uh, let's let's figure out a different episode to do this as a gimmick episode for. Okay. Um, because Rugrats Go Wild is not that episode. <laughs> no, it doesn't deserve it. Can I read you my first note that I took for this movie? Please. To say this movie suffers without sound is the vastest possible understatement. Absent other stimuli, we are left to stew in horror at the rather confronting animation style. It's like, what if body horror wasn't sexy? You're right. And the thing the thing is, this is also just that much worse than the typical, like, individual television episode of Rugrats, because they also shoehorned in that weird pseudo 3D animation style that was, like, mm. becoming popular in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, there was that. They also had to shoehorn in moments where characters smell things. <laughs> yes, because of the smell-o-vision. Yeah. Now, Do you want me to report um, on that? Yes, I would love to hear your field report. Okay, so I, d- I was able to purchase... Sealed from 2003, a scratch and sniff card for Rugrats Go Wild, the movie. A 20-year-old scratch and sniff card. So, um, it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Could have told you that was gonna happen. (laughs) So so either, (laughs) even though it was sealed, in the intervening 20 years... The various uh, chemicals... Stink molecules. The the stink molecules left. Left the card. Or this is a counterfeit. One of the two. And I don't care enough to find out which. That's a... mm, Is it a... Did you... you, How much money did you spend on this, first of all? It was like $17 with shipping. Okay, I will reimburse you that $17 as soon as I'm working. No, don't, don't do that. It's fine. <laughs> because I'm all... Okay, in that case, I'm going to send you $17 worth of uh, chip-based bullshit. Okay. If you want. <laughs> and then we can e- eat some chips. I don't know. There's This show is better when we eat chips, I think. I think... Should we just make a chips podcast instead? No, we shouldn't, because this show rules. No, we shouldn't, because A, this podcast rules, and B, I don't want to make a podcast about a show with Eric Estrada. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was so disappointed when I couldn't smell anything, because the first one is strawberry, and I thought... Right, because I, I believe they're eating the... the um, like donuts it's, under the table at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, so the first one's strawberry, and I thought I was. It just smelled like 
chemically ink. And I thought maybe they just had a really not very good strawberry smell. And it's, um, so then I waited and I had to fucking, cause the time, the, 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 the indicators of when you're supposed to scratch and sniff are not baked into the streaming version. No, um, they are not. So I had to do some independent research to find out when I should be sniffing. Um, I went to all that trouble. I got to the peanut butter round two, um, monkey eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich um oh actually you know what that was the question that i wanted to ask is yeah um do you remember any of the characters names from no. either show absolutely none i've That's l- like i said i've never seen nigel thornberry's i i have a vague recollection that one character might <sighs> i think i remember angelica and that is it yep you got one of them yeah Okay, so, so the was... monkey's name is Darwin. Okay. And he's a chimp. Okay. Um, um he was, it's he was funny because, you know, we share the most recent common ancestor with the chimps. Yeah. And evolution, so we named the chimp Darwin. They sure did do that. They sure did do that. They had, that's, a, that's a choice they made naming that character for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I got to the peanut butter, and it was the same smell as the strawberry, and I started losing hope. But I waited until the flower, and that one also smelled the same. And at that point, oh, I no. was, um, I, I, I didn't want to wait for the foot. Uh, so I sampled all of them, and they mm-hmm. all just smelled like printer ink. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So it is possible that in the world of Rugrats and wild thornberries that everything just smells like printer ink and they wanted to replicate that on the card um that is another possibility that i mean yes it's a possibility but i feel like there are more likely reasons for it yeah but i'm not interested in likely no of course not that's not what this podcast is so is this a universe where everything smells like printer ink yes then is it just that because our particular olfactory senses are tuned to our universe that we can't differentiate foot printer ink versus strawberry printer ink? Mm, that's an interesting question. <clears throat> because they do smell a foot and they go, ew. Yeah, they also smell some fish and go, ew. Yes, the kippers. Um... Nigel also, Thornberry's the, favorite snack. The time that that you're supposed to smell the root beer is when um one of the people burps up some root beer bubbles. That's not how burps work. No, it's, it's super not. But uh, you are supposed to smell her burp. So that's a that's choice kind of gross for us. too. <laughs> yeah, I don't love it. Like. That's the immersion they were going for, is smell this teenager's burp. I don't like that. No, I super don't like it either. That was the, that was the most upsetting one to me, spiritually. I can imagine. <laughs> I also... What, uh, one of the most annoying things to me, and I don't know why this really got to me, but there's um, at the peanut butter one, immediately before... Darwin eats the peanut butter sandwich. It starts raining and the sandwich just sort of immediately disintegrates in the rain. Yes. What's going on with that? That's that's not how peanut butter or bread works. 
it's decidedly not, but like, ah, uh, there's just, it, it hurts my stomach. May, oh, because... wait, wait, I think I've got it. In this universe, everything is made of printer ink. So in the rain, it just runs. I mean, they are animated. So like traditionally, they would all be made out of ink. Yeah. Is this a meta commentary on the ephemerality of animation? Oh, shit. I, it, it has to be, right? Like, it, why else would they do that? I see no reason. Um, yeah. Hmm. Is this movie, like, actually brilliant? No. No. No, no it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I think, like, as disproven as it has been, um, Stockholm Syndrome, maybe? <sighs> I want to read you another note. Uh, please. I am trying so hard to meet the movie on its terms, but it is sprinting away from me at maximum speed. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's a movie that uh, just runs the fuck away. Yeah. (laughs) Should we, like, go over what happens in the movie? Uh, Sure. I mean, it's basically, like, adults are blindingly incompetent, the movie. Yeah, to a degree. Um... There's, sorry, I just got distracted. Um, <laughs> there's a secret layer set of Magic the Gathering cards, which I will not buy because fuck wizards. Yeah. Um, but they finally printed an Applejack card. Oh my god. And a Fluttershy and a Pinkie Pie and a Rainbow Dash. They've been going wild the last few years. Yeah. There was a Twilight Sparkle and a Rarity already, but I'm glad that there's an Applejack now. Applejack is a 4-4 legendary creature pony that costs two green-white and has the ability family gathering at the beginning of your end step. Put a toy you own onto the battlefield as a 2-2 creature token with that toy's name, colors, and creature types. (laughs) If the toy has wings, the token has flying. If the toy has a horn, scry two. If neither, create a food token. That's kind of busted. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I used to love Magic the Gathering so much. And then they went, like, full, like, profit-maximizing, extracting every single uh, possible amount of everything from the whole thing, and I just... Oof. Here's here's where they lost me. Sending the Pinkertons to a guy's house? Mm. Yeah, like, no, Like, the literal, great. actual Pinkertons. Yeah, that was... That's... I mean, they lost me well before that, but if they were ever going to get me back, that's that's preventing it. Like, every time I think, I would like to play Magic again, I then immediately think, but they did send the Pinkertons to that guy's house. Yeah. And then the feeling goes away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe don't send the Pinkertons after people. Like, maybe don't. Uh, that's the thing. Like, it feels like nobody actually cares about that. Because people are still getting into magic. People are still playing magic. People who claim to be leftists are like, well, I spent like $1,500 on magic cards this year. Uh, they I sent mean, the Pinkertons after someone. Yeah. Because they mailed him kinda... the wrong thing. <laughs> I think this is kind of the the reality of just kind of like entertainment and everything now is like... It's hard. Yeah. Rainbow Dash would be a good EDH general. Sorry, not to get distracted, (laughs) but um, you can play literally any colors because Rainbow Dash has the ability Sonic Rain Boom. If you're at at least 100% cool 
add Wooberg, draw a card, and reset your coolness. What is cool? Um, so, Rainbow Dash also has flying, haste, and whenever a creature you control with flying and or haste attacks, you get 20% cooler. You start at 0% coolness. Okay, I have to wonder about the math. Is this multiplicative every time, or is it additive? It's additive, so you- Okay. They really should specify that, because I play Warframe and they don't specify it, and it really leads to some fucking shenanigans. <laughs> so yeah, you get, like, for each creature you control, no, it's whenever a creature, so I, I'd have to check some rulings on that. Curious. Either way, the point is, because the card is printed with the mana symbols of every color, you can play Rainbow Dash as a every color commander. Oh, I mean, right. That, that Rainbow. just sort of makes Duh. sense. That yeah. just makes sense. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. We've been talking about not this movie for 40 minutes. Yep. Uh, so it's, what happened so it in this off, movie? It starts off, um, they're going on, uh, the, the various families of the Rugrats are going on vacation mm-hmm. on a cruise, and the cruise ship leaves without them. And then... The guy who looks like specifically he sucks real the Lipschitz cruise, because I the d- cruise that they're going on is hosted by a child psychologist. Okay, um, but they don't. The, it leaves without them for some reason, even though they are right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the the guy who looks like he sucks. Number one, uh, I mean, they kind of all look like they suck. All of them, actually, <laughs> all of them do suck. But the guy who looks, like, more disheveled than the other ones is on a, a shitty little boat waiting for them. <laughs> yep, uh-huh. That I, I guess he procured in the 13 seconds since the cruise ship left without them. Um, I believe the intention was that they would, in fact, be doing their cruise on the ramshackle boat. Oh. And that they had never actually been scheduled to be on the Lipschitz cruise. Fascinating. Uh, so they get on the shitty boat, and it sucks, and there's a storm, and it sinks. And they wash up on an island, and on that island also is the wild thornberries. Mm-hmm. Who are just kind of hanging out or doing whatever they do i don't really know what they do they make a nature show basically nigel thornberry's whole deal is that he's sort of a crossover between like um david attenborough and steve Irwin. okay um i just referred to him as uh the adult nose man the adult nose man as voiced (laughs) by tim curry uh, um he's he's quite a quite a he's uh he's quite a character um mm-hmm. the adults are bickering uh, the 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 kid the the adults of the kids of the babies are bickering about whatever the fuck they're worthless people um so the babies wander off into the jungle for some reason and the adults don't notice i guess that happens literally all the time in rugrats okay the um, show is predicated on all of the parents being kind of bad parents. Oh, they are awful parents and awful people. Um, so they the kid the kids wander off, and um, the red-haired one gets replaced by the the um, the the guy the 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 baby man. I don't know any of these fucking characters. Um, <laughs> the baby. <laughs> 
I, that's why I'm very specifically leaving you to flounder with this summary. <laughs> okay. Because so... you don't know who any of the characters are. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, it's it's very easy. Like, I know the name of all of these characters because I watched both of these shows for a very long time. <laughs> and so, like, kind of leaving it to you to figure out how to describe these characters is very funny to me. Okay. So, the the, the red-haired one and the the small, uh, the, the, the shirtless Iggy Azalea boy... <laughs> <laughs> Swap, swap clothing and I think maybe the babies don't notice <laughs> and, um, and he leads them on an adventure uh, now it's, it's important to note that babies generally speaking prefer bright colors because they are at least somewhat colorblind uh-huh. um, which is why all of those grayscale babies are like fucking in the nightmare hellscape you know, the parents who are like, oh, yeah, we have to keep our minimalist aesthetic so there's no color in this child's room. Ugh. That's um, gotta suck. But, like, there's, the brown hair and the red hair might be similar enough. That's fair. For the babies to make that mistake because of their lack of color vision. And they just think their friend has lost the ability to speak? Yeah, I mean, that's happened to him before. Okay. All right. Um, Because, like, it's sort of established that, like, you grow out of being able to understand baby language as you get older. Okay. And Red Hair Kid in the first Rugrats movie says his first word, which means he might be starting to grow out of baby language. Uh Uh-oh. So maybe they just think he learned too many words and forgot how to speak baby. Maybe. Um, I think at one point they run into one of the wild Thornberry's teenagers, and I think it's the one who can talk to animals, and maybe she can talk to them because she can talk to animals. Uh, I think. Yeah, and babies are a type of animal. Babies are a type of animal. Um, so there's some shenanigans with a submarine mm-hmm. um and uh and they they collect the nose man in the submarine because i guess he's also got a bad case of baby brain yeah because he he hit his head when he tried to rescue the babies i didn't um, and, and see I, I, I that believe... happen I believe the intent is that he's suffering from amnesia and thinks he's a baby and therefore re-understands baby language. Okay, <clears throat> that would make sense. I th- I didn't see the injury happen somehow, so I just thought he was cliff. like that. He fell off a cliff! It's a fucking cartoon that happens to people all the time and they don't suffer injuries. But this is like, this is a cartoon, but it's not like cartoony. It absolutely is. Nobody stretches weird. Okay. It's not rubber hose animation. It's not Looney Tunes. It's It's, it's a 90s scrungle cartoon. (laughs) It's still like... There's a there's a lot of like cartoon bullshit that happens. There's a, all of them should have been dead, but in the first five minutes of the movie. I mean, yeah. So like, uh, it didn't register with me as something that should have caused an injury that turns you into a baby man. Um, so I just thought like maybe because I again zero experience with wild thornberries. I thought maybe that was just his thing. Is that whatever creature he's around. 
he starts mimicking and thinks he's them, and that's, like, his whole deal as a character. No, um, unfortunately, his whole deal is just being Tim Curry. Okay. (laughs) I've never met Tim Curry. Maybe he's like that. (laughs) I, it's just, it's a very, yeah, this is, there's not a lot of substance to this movie. No, it's really not. Like, they eventually um, band together and stop bickering, the adults do, and rescue the babies from being stuck in a submarine and And then they they go on a vacation from their vacation get off the island um and that's that's the movie yep it was one of our worst choices i think Uh, yeah it, it it had so much potential to be incredibly funny if this if if the scratch and sniff card had actually worked yeah it would have it really would have added to the experience i think um but alas because i could have done so much fun shit with that i could have tried to combine smells Mm -hmm. i could have seen if i could like create new smells that also were in the movie you could go out and buy some strawberries and hold the strawberries up next to your foot and smell both true um you could do strawberries and kippers i don't think i will (laughs) like i i wouldn't (laughs) i could but i wouldn't I wouldn't either, but you know, is that a, like just a thing that he does as a as he's he, so like he, part of his character is that he's just the most British man to ever Britain. Okay, um, and so in that very and like he's explicitly English, like in that very English way, he is weirdly obsessed with eating fish okay. for breakfast. Interesting. I. The worst, the worst experience I have ever had culinarily was when my stepdad decided to order kippers for breakfast when we were at a bread and breakfast in England, Mm. because the fish smell stayed with us all day. And I do not like fish smell. That is a, that is a aroma sensitivity that I have in the extreme. I nearly, like, I, like, you know when you almost throw up but don't quite? Yeah. That happened to me, like, four times that day. Oh, my God. Because we then immediately had to get in the car and do, like, a four-hour drive. Oh, that sucks so Um, bad. Yes. That sucks so bad. I'm so sorry. My mom was also quite angry and (laughs) told him if he ever ate fish for breakfast again, she was divorcing him. (laughs) That is valid. God. I'm throwing the scratch and sniff card away. You should hang it up on your wall. Get it framed. I don't care enough. (laughs) This movie sucked ass. Don't... Okay, but what if you don't throw it out and we auction it off for charity to some future listener who really likes the show? All right. I'll keep it. Um, We'll keep it for when we get famous so we can use that to fund a trans girl's bottom surgery or something. I did so much to try to make this work. Like, I... It didn't work at first. I thought, well, maybe my fingernails aren't scratchy enough. So I got like some metal shit and scratched it. I tried to scratch it with a screwdriver. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's one of the most disappointing experiences of my life. I'm so excited. Maybe we can get into the business of making reproduction scratch and sniff cards. (laughs) For people who want the true movie-going experience. Yeah. How many other movies did this? Like, it's got to be just this one, right? Literally just this one. Fascinating. I wonder why it didn't uh, catch on. 
I mean, I thought it was great when I saw this movie in theaters as a child. Uh, that's fair. But I also liked this movie. Ah, so you just had bad taste and stuff. Wait, hold on. This is not the only movie to use the Odorama technology. Oh, shit. What else do we got? Polyester, a 1981 American comedy film directed, produced, and written by John Waters. That's the only other one. All right. <clears throat> what were the smells in that? Um, do you think we can find one of those scratches in the cards? Roses, flatulence, model airplane glue, pizza, gasoline, skunk, natural gas, new car smell, dirty shoes, and air fresheners. Goddamn. Here's another thing that I found disappointing about the scratch and sniff is they absolutely fucking blew their load with like the first three or four in like the first 15 minutes of the movie. There's only six of them. (laughs) Yeah, it's rough. They really front loaded that. Like, I don't know if they just like lost, ran out of ideas or what. <clears throat> I like they probably just wanted to get it over with because they were forced to do this thing and like there were there you know, were f- other moments where I feel like they had more planned because there were other moments in the movie where characters like took a big sniff of something and that wasn't on the card. I don't and know. And that happened multiple times. So like I don't know really what really just a failed technology. Yeah, they they did. It's unfortunate. Okay. So, do you want to know what this movie was about? Yes, please. Okay, well, let me first ruin your day by telling you that this film serves as a series finale for both Rugrats and the Wild Thornberries. That's There's... fine with me. Yeah, it I ruined really my day to know show. that. <laughs> it ruined my day to know that this was the note that both of these shows went out <sighs> on because it was terrible. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So, Rugrats Go Wild, originally titled as The Rugrats Meet the Wild Thornberries, is a 2003 American crossover adventure film based on the Nickelodeon animated television series Rugrats and The Wild Thornberries. It's the final installment to both The Rugrats and Wild Thornberries film series, making it a sequel to both The Rugrats in Paris the movie and The Wild Thornberries movie. The film takes place after the ninth season of Rugrats and the fifth season of Wild Thornberries. The Rugrats go on an imaginary safari with Tommy impersonating Nigel Thornberry, who is his role model, and spoofs his nature show. The babies and their families are about to go on vacation on the Lipschitz cruise ship. When the the families arrive at the dock, they miss the Lipschitz cruise. Tommy's father, Stu, has rented a ramshackle boat, which he reveals to be their real mode of transportation and their real real vacation behind their backs. The families are angered that Stu did not consult them on his plans, I would be too, and soon the boat is flipped over by a rogue wave during a tropical storm. Everyone's forced to abandon ship and and board a life raft as the ship sinks. Everyone blames Stu for causing all of this and lose hope of being saved. The next morning, they arrive on a small, seemingly uninhabited island in the South China Sea. The adults make Betty the leader after Dee Dee forbids Stu from volunteering, much to his chagrin. Uh, on the opposite side of the island is the famous globetrotting family, the Thornberries, out to film a clouded leopard. Tommy, Chucky, and the rest of the kids, except Angelica, set off to find Nigel, for they suspect he is somewhere on the island. Why? Baby logic. Okay, that's fair. They're in the wild. And Nigel Thornberry is always in the wild, so therefore he must be here. I guess that does make sense for baby logic. And, like, the show and this movie at least do have, to their credit, 
a consistent understanding of what kid logic feels like sometimes. That's true. And I, I think they deserve a little bit of credit for that. Yeah, I'll allow it. Along the way, Chucky gets lost and runs into the Thornberry's adopted son, Donnie, who steals Chucky's clothes, forcing Chucky to wear Donnie's shorts. Meanwhile, Eliza Thornberry is exploring the jungle with Darwin, her chimpanzee companion, and runs into Spike, the Pickles' dog. Since Eliza can talk to animals, Spike is heard speaking. He informs her that his babies are lost somewhere on the island. Under the impression that Spike means he's looking for puppies, Eliza and a reluctant Darwin agree to help him find them. Following a close encounter with Siri, an angry clouded leopard whom Spike believes to be just a regular domestic cat, they learn he meant human babies. Simultaneously, Eliza's father, Nigel, finds the lost babies. He heads in their direction, but ends up tumbling down a hill and suffering amnesia after a coconut falls on his head, which reverts him to his three-year-old self. They encounter Siri, but Donnie fends her off. Chucky finds him, and they get back to their regular clothes. After escaping from Siri on a high-speed pram, the gang lands in a crater. Angelica runs into Debbie Thornberry and takes off with Debbie in the Thornberry's all-purpose mobile communication vehicle, or COMV. In order to get back faster, Angelica steals the Thornberry's bathysphere, accidentally sinking the COMV in her attempt to pilot it, but manages to find and retrieve the babies and Nigel. Meanwhile, Stu, who has managed to create a working coconut radio, and the other parents run into Donnie. After chasing him down the beach, they run into Marion Thornberry, the mother of Eliza and Debbie, and the wife of Nigel. Previously mentioned, and definitely not introduced that deeply, but whatever, um, Stu's coconut radio picks up the babies and Angelica having accidentally turned on the bathysphere's radio. Angelica and Susie, while fighting for control, have crashed the bathysphere at the bottom of the ocean. Nigel hits his head in the crash and reverts back to his normal self. Stu comes up with a successful plan to raise the comfy, and Marianne then uses the automatic retrieval system to rescue Nigel and the babies just as their air runs out. The babies and Nigel are reunited with their respective families, with Stu being thanked and forgiven. Everyone gets on board the Lipschitz cruise. The Thornberries join them too, deciding they should take a vacation, much to Debbie's delight, and Spike vows never to lose his babies again. End of movie. End of franchise. End of franchises. Except Woof. it's not the end of the Rugrats franchise, because Rugrats did come back with All Grown Up. Yeah. Where they are preteens. <laughs> that was fucking uncanny. Weird. That Didn't like it. Bad. And then there's also the new Paramount Plus Rugrats show. Oh, no. Is where, it where they're they all 3D animated monstrosities. Oh, God. No. I can't imagine this art style in 3D animation. Fuck. That is harrowing. Um, I'm also going to ruin your day by showing you how they animated Tommy Pickles as a preteen. Ooh. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> no. In fact, it's bad. <sighs> No. Why would they it's do It's very that? bad. Why would they do... Why does... Oh. I hate it. Now, um, I, I, I have some nice things to say about Rugrats, because okay. I don't want to... Lest we think that I actually just hate this show. Um, literally the best Hanukkah special ever is the Rugrats Hanukkah special. Same with the Rugrats Passover special. Fair. Like, you know, I almost assuredly can't think of any other television shows that are going to do both of those. You know, you, you're probably going to get, like, maybe a Christmas special... 
Rugrats did both a Christmas special and a Hanukkah special. They did an Easter and a Passover because Tommy is a halachic Jew, but his dad's a Christian, so he celebrates both holidays. Interesting. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? So, you know how Judaism is matrilineal? Yeah. If your mom's a Jew, you're a Jew. Okay. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's how it happened. Okay. I... That's the... For some That's reason, the whole I, extent of the how. For some reason, I thought that his mom was, like, dead or something. And I was, like, really confused as to how a, a baby <laughs> just sort of independently picked up. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Chucky's mom is dead. Okay. Tommy is, like, the main character. And then Chucky is, like the deuteragonist i would say most likely do you think if chucky the murder doll met chucky the baby they would get along just on the basis of a shared name um yes do you think they should add chucky the baby as a skin for chucky the murder doll in dead by daylight yes i think they would also get along with charles entertainment cheese oh true do all Chuckies get along just sort of naturally? Yes. yes. However, if you go by Chuck oh, absolutely. No, or no Chaz, way. you've automatically been excluded from the Chucky Club. What about what about Chuck Tingle? I feel like he would get along with them despite being a Chuck. Um, Dr. Chuck Tingle is immune to just about everything. That's fair. By virtue of being just really cool um yeah an absolute national treasure and also i think i remember (laughs) reading a blog post about dr chuck tingle being a uh non-transitioning trans woman interesting i've never which makes a lot of sense never heard that before in my life um i believe that was a very specific but like you know uh, that that may be something that dr tingle has since been like hey i think i might have been wrong about that but i do remember reading Mm. that interesting do you want some reviews um yeah let me hold on let me override this lockdown app so i can find this tweet yeah this is like a it's it's a thread of some very confusing justifications about you know deciding not to transition for whatever reason the point here is Chuck Tingle gets along with everyone unless yeah. that buckaroo is a bigoted buckaroo. Yeah. So. <clears throat> okay. Um, we've got a first for the show. Every review is a five-star review. That is a first. People fucking love this movie. I Like, literally, there were only, like, six total non-five-star reviews. Um, so Amazon customer gives it five stars, of course. And the review reads... Great mouthwatering breath taken. Mouthwatering. <laughs> maybe they got you. Maybe they got the smell card to work, <laughs> and they just really like feet and fish. That review is left in 2018, so obviously sometime between then and now, the the cards have stopped working. Is that is that the full review? That is the full review. All caps. Great mouthwatering breath taken. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Fiona Betancourt gives it five stars, and the title is just the text of the review. So the review reads, My son collects movies. He has autism. VHS and DVD. He bought this one with his birthday money. He was so excited to get this one. I'm glad for him. Yeah, glad he glad he liked it. 
the next Amazon customer gives it five stars. Titles, review, great, and says, My grandkids love this movie, and it keeps them quiet for a, wa- for a while. Haha, that's funny. Rugrats go wild. It keeps them from going wild. Um, that's neat. Yeah. And now I have an, a patented Unsound Theories temporal mystery for us. Oh, good God. <laughs> This is from Amazon user Two Tiny Tots. And the review, five Mm -hmm. stars again, is titled Rugrats Go Wild. And it reads, I think that this movie is great. I remember watching it as a child, and now I have it for my own children, and they they love it. Great movie for great price. So here's, here's, what, what, (laughs) <laughs> I, but let's let's gonna we're gonna pause this this review process for a second. Yeah. Why are you showing these kids the series finale to a show they to two shows they almost assuredly haven't watched? That's a great question. Um, probably because it doesn't matter. I guess. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it really spoils anything if you're gonna go back and watch the show. No, it doesn't. I'm <clears throat> not. I'm not saying it's like a spoilers thing, but like, what context do these kids have for these characters? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends how old the kids are. Okay. Um, well, that's the question. Is this? person watched this movie as a child and is now showing it to their children when was this review left so the movie came out in 2003 yes so that is my theoretical lower bound Mm -hmm. but that seems improbable because someone who was a child in 2003 so it's got to be sometime i'm just guessing sometime in the 2010s have i beefed it already (laughs) i'm gonna need a specific one for from you Okay. You have not beefed I'm going to say 2013. God, you were so close. This is 2011. <clears throat> they, they had children old enough to watch a movie a scant eight years after being a child themselves. Um, okay, so, like... You watch this movie as a kid in 2003. Let's say you're 12. Okay. That's kid, right? Maybe 11. That's definitely still that kid. De- 11 is kid, yeah. But, okay, it says child, you're 19. But not kid. I feel like child, for me at least, denotes a, a younger than 10 years old. Oh, hmm. I don't know. Maybe this person just ages faster than regular humans? Yeah, maybe they're aging in dog years. That's entirely possible. Hmm. It, because it's plural kids. Uh. Yeah, my own children. I'm assuming two of them, since their username is Two Tiny Tots. Yes. Now, maybe these are like two newborn kids at the time this review was written. Could be. And if you're just putting maybe, on something to entertain them. Maybe. Uh, so you have I someone like who had a kid at like 18 and 19. I Well, they could be twins also. That would make it a little bit easier time wise. Yes. Okay. So let's, let's assume this is a twin situation. Okay. So they watched this movie at 10 years old and then had twins when they were like 17. Yes. And now their twins are a year old and watching Rugrats go wild and loving it. That's the only way that's... this works. <laughs> Yeah, or or they viewed themselves as a kid at 11, and, like, it's, like, 19, and so on and so forth. But, like... The other possibility is that when they say, I remember watching it as a child, the the it they are referring to is just sort of Rugrats in general. 
That's also a possibility, but I think that's a less interesting possibility. It's a far less interesting possibility. I don't know why I even brought it up. Um, I got a a couple more reviews. I would love to hear those couple mores. Doris A. Hernandez, five stars again, titles it great. Uh, And it reads, like any Rugrats movie, my two-year-old loves it. If there's a lot of, loves it, there's a lot of action, but I did not like it when Spike talked. So I guess we've got a Bruce Willis hater in the in the comments yeah um ethan davies gives it five stars titles review five stars and it reads awesome film one of the best ever possibly rivals lizzie mcguire movie all right (laughs) this this was review was left in 2017 in the united kingdom so i'm assuming based on the last name this is someone who's related to greg davies what one can only assume it's that's just how it works over there who knows what they're doing final review leah johnson who is only tenuously connected to our reality gives it five stars and titles review i just love those rugrats and it reads I wish this movie were a real story in someone's life. I mean, the idea that when you are shipwrecked on an abandoned island with your friends and families, including your infant babies, whom, by the way, help the adults find a way off the abandoned island. Just a wonderful story and funny, and I love how, in my mind anyway, believable the whole movie seems. You know, um... (laughs) Leah Johnson thinks this movie is realistic. I... (laughs) I, I, I think I need to quit. I, 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 I quit. Um, this has been a really wonderful opportunity. Um, I'm turning in my two weeks notice. You have to tell me something first, though. Oh, is this the exit interview? Yeah, for this episode. I'm not letting you quit the podcast. Damn it. <laughs> would you sound or would you not sound? Uh, would not sound. Absolutely would not sound. The dog has a musical number. What the fuck? Okay, given the option, smell or no smell? Would not smell. Okay, same. I wish I had been able to smell, but I would not go back and watch this, even if someone guaranteed I would be able to smell it. This movie sucks. Yeah, no, the soundtrack to this movie didn't suck. It's got The Police. Interesting. It's got Aerosmith. It's got a fucking George Clinton song. (laughs) What the fuck? I guess we know where Um, all their budget went. A Clash song. Yeah, like it uses message in a bottle and should I stay or should I go? And also a Bruce Willis cover of Iggy Pop's Lust for Life. Jesus Christ. Well, I feel like about being a dog. Oh my god. That's where our money would go if we were if we had ten thousand dollars per episode. Is yeah, some licensed music. music. Yes. With licensed music. Yeah. <laughs> oh. What would, okay, yeah, if, you, I, if you could I, have any licensed song for the intro music to this podcast, what would it be? Hmm. I kind of like our song that we have now. I can't imagine replacing it. Yeah, but uh, can I hit you with uh, the sound of silence? Okay, that's good. <laughs> um, my thought was Video Killed the Radio Star. That would be good, too. What if it was a mashup of both of them? That would be deeply jarring. <laughs> Which, <laughs> who would we get to produce that? Um, Jack Antonoff. I don't know who that is, but I'll I'll agree. The guy from the band Fun who produces a lot of Taylor Swift music. Okay. Does he do a lot of mashups? No. Oh, just, but you, I think, you, you think he's got the skill. We can make it work. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> well... <sighs> Next episode, we'll have a new theme okay, song. Okay, so 
Um, <laughs> we, we won't. We're committing to that? No. No, we're not. We're absolutely not committing to that. Did you know that this movie wasn't Tim Curry's first appearance in Rugrats Media? Really? That's fascinating. What was he? What else? He did a cameo voice as one of the sumo singers in the Rugrats in Paris, the movie. So that was the sentence you just said to me. Yep. Um, other supporting cast from this movie include Susan Sarandon, uh, John Lithgow. Why are there... S- okay, first of all, what is um, a sumo singer? Casey Kasem. Jesus. What? Yeah. What is a sumo singer? Okay, so they go to um, a place called Euro Reptar Land in Paris. Okay. <laughs> which is like a spoof on Euro Disney. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a choice. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess like one of the attractions is sumo wrestlers and they do like a cabaret show that's the most unhinged thing i've ever heard yeah um the other two sumo singers are kevin michael richardson and billy west (sighs) what are we doing what are we doing just sort of like as a species um just keeping on brother you know (laughs) God, hitting that uh, hitting that gamer green and making our way through the day. Gamer green. Yeah. Now, when you say gamer green, <laughs> I mean marijuana. Okay. Cannabis. It, okay, but cannabis sativa or has, cannabis indica, has, depending. Has anyone made? Has anyone made weed specifically marketed for gamers? You mean all weed? But like, but like, not just like via the fact that it is weed, but like, it's, it's got like black packaging and it, then like, R- a, a R- like RGB accents. And... Um, not that I'm aware of, it's but like, that does feel like an untapped market it's like maybe... in places where, where you have publicly owned or like or not publicly owned but privately owned weed stores. Yeah. Um in Ontario, they have to specifically unless it's a gray market weed store, they have to very specifically sell licensed weed that they buy from the Ontario Cannabis Authority. Mm. Which means it all comes in the same nondescript packaging because I think similarly to cigarettes, like you can't do things that would advertise to children that's why there's also not like alcohol tie-ins for video games fair um but according to this website um the best weed for playing video games is black cherry pie punch indica does it taste like mountain dew or something no it tastes like weed that's the thing is like weed people will be like oh man this weed smells and tastes so different and then you smoke it and it just tastes like weed yeah that's as a as a non-weed person, yeah. And like sometimes I have been guilty of being on my bullshit about it. <laughs> um but there are a couple of there are a couple of strains of weed. Like diesels do actually smell like gasoline in their flower form, not in their smoked form. That sounds awful. Because once you're smoking it, it just smells like smoke. Uh, yeah. But like there's, there's, um, like I had a strain called Tropicana one time, and when you open the bag, it smelled like orange juice. That's fascinating. But it didn't taste like orange juice when you smoked it, because no matter what, 
you're still smoking the weed and it's still gonna taste like weed what if they made they remake it it's it's rugrats go wild all grown up and instead of a scratch and sniff card it's six different weed flavors (laughs) that you're supposed to smoke specific parts in the movie that's so much weed (laughs) (laughs) i would you would go beyond wizard high (laughs) you would you would go into tommy high you would go into (laughs) hydral thornberry level We sure did not. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Unsound Theories is made by Danger Square Productions. You can follow us on Tumblr at Danger Square Media or follow Kat and Kira on their respective Tumblrs at ZaftiCat, that's Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T, and Sapphire-Mess. The best ways to support what we do are leaving five-star reviews on the podcatcher of your choice, or telling a friend about the show. If you'd like to support us monetarily to help us keep the lights on, you can visit dangersquare.ca where you'll find links to our Patreon. The music used in this episode is Dance on All the Cell Phones by Chris Postel of Sounds Like an Earful. Visit soundslikeanearful.com to hear more of Chris's tracks. Until next time, thanks for listening, because we sure didn't.